friends, and welcome to the What You've Been Watching podcast. I am your host, the marvelous Mike Dudley, followed as always by my cohort, co-host, and younger brother, MD3 Marcus Dudley, checking in on you. What is going on out there in podcast land? Big salute Salutes. across the desk. I'm uh, working the sticks today, and Michael's got the notes, so we're running things a little different. That's are- actual notes. That is research done. We are still, once as always, in the great city of Tallahassee, Florida, in the shadows of Doe Campbell Stadium. So, uh, what's been going on, man? How are you? Good, man. Just, uh, we we, uh, we put over our uh, spooky season spectacular, and uh, it went over great. People seem to love it. The legions have answered. Yeah. I'm assuming. <laughs> that was for y'all. That was uh, for Halloween. So, uh but yeah, no, that was, was a good time. What did you do for Halloween? Anything fun, exciting, just work probably? Uh, cut the podcast and went to a, a friend's birthday slash Halloween party. Shout out to the great Bootsy Kid uh, over at Cap City Video Lounge. Uh, yeah, it was fun. So just got to hang out with some good peoples and actually networked a little bit. Got to talk to some other podcasters and kind of get their opinions on things and sort of talk shop a little bit. So it was, it was really, really informative and I had a, I had a good time. I'm, I'm glad I forced myself to go out. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Look at Michael trying to not only slyly drop his producer credit in there, but cut the podcast, but he's also networking. I don't pay you enough for this. <laughs> I don't pay you at all. You guys are getting paid. I know, right? I'll triple your, your salary. So three times zero it all. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, man, well, that's good to hear. I mean, shit, spooky season was upon us. I actually felt really bad. I was sitting there talking to myself, and we had this whole bowl of candy because we had went out and bought more because we slowly ate it over the last couple weeks. <laughs> um, I was just wondering, like, I, I live in a neighborhood now. It's a lot of mostly old people. Mm-hmm. There's a couple kids that may come around. There's, like, a neighboring, like, across the street. There's a similar neighborhood and one, like, a little bit down the way. I'm sitting there looking, and I'm cooking spaghetti, and I got the, the Halloween music playing on the porch, and there's I'm ready to go, and I got my Yoshi costume on, <laughs> and nobody came. And I looked in the mirror, I caught my reflection in the uh, in the window. I started getting really sad. I was like, man, what happened to the spirit of Halloween? I agree. And I looked up, and I go, because I just saw an almost 40-year-old man cooking spaghetti in an empty house at the moment. <laughs> I was like, this is what happened in the spirit of Halloween. Nobody's fun anymore. <laughs> I don't want to use this as a uh, as a platform to preach my nonsense, but it's like you see it on Facebook or whatever social media all the time. You see people like, where are you taking your kids or your kids trick or treating, and what's the best neighborhood? And it's like, man, it should be right here. Right, in it should be your neighborhood woods, exactly. Like, like that was the spoils you got. Like that was if that was the. The seas you were pirating, that was the booty you got. Right, if you went to a Halloween party and you were out at your friend's neighborhood, like, you didn't make your parents drive you across no, the way, usually. No, like, no, And I was like, man, do better as people. Like, shit, man, make sure your neighborhood's safe enough for people to fucking shit. treat and all that shit. That's how you find out which houses you need to stay away from, because the ones that were really into Halloween were like, hey, y'all can come inside, and your parents are like, mm-mm, don't go in that house ever. Ever. <laughs> Never, never. never. They're going to promise you free candy and puppies. There's no puppies. There's no puppies. There's a cold, dank basement and a lot of shame. It's like Leo Leo Vaughn has that joke. He's like, back when I was a kid, there was nobody to tell either. You just got straight up molested. That was the end of it. That was the end of it. I don't know. I I got my reflection on myself in my Yoshi costume. And I was like, man, what happened to the spirit of Halloween? I got really sad for a minute. And then, like, as the night went on, 
I was like, well, nobody's coming. And I go, and I didn't want to get spaghetti sauce on my, because I'm incapable of making any meal ever without getting shit all over me. Because we're man children. Yeah. <laughs> um, you figured that out by now? <laughs> um, yeah. So I go and take it off, and then right then, uh, Angie comes home, and she's like, oh, we have a trick-or-treater. And I'm like, tell him to hold on. Tell him to wait, please. I'm trying to put my Yoshi onesie back on. And little, I, and they were gone by the time I could even get it on. And I was so sad. And I was like, I wanted to see the trick-or-treater. I was like, dude, you would have weirded her out, a 36-year-old dude <laughs> running out. He's like, wait, 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 wait. Let me meet your kid. Yeah. <laughs> we can't go to this house no more. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently it was like a very young girl, like three or five. I'm guessing Angie said, I didn't even see her. It's too dark outside by then. <laughs> apparently it was a, a little kitty cat, young lady. A, little, a kid came by and I missed it. It bummed me out though, man, being real. It actually legitimately bummed me out. Yeah, dude. It's It sucks where like... I don't know, like, I I used to look forward to Halloween all the time as a little kid, you know what I mean? Like, getting to dress up and, like, doing whatever you want, and, like, we were broke as fuck, so, like, if I wanted to be the Rocketeer, like, that was me and moms at the kitchen table, like, for an entire week, building a Rocketeer, bot, you know, helmet out of, like, cereal boxes and an old football helmet, you know? Like... Yeah. <coughs> Like, so it was, it was fun trying to like be creative and come up with like costumes. Like we couldn't do store-bought costumes. So she's just like, well, I got four, you know, four yards of fabric. That's like kind of woolly. Do you want to be a Viking this year? And I'm like, hell yeah, I want to be a Viking this year. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, even I think about it, like at like 13, I was like, I don't dress up anymore. And it's like, man, what the fuck is the matter with yeah. you? Like, you should have been. If a 22-year-old kid came to my house on Halloween and was like, yo, what's up with the trick-or-treat? I'd be like, you got it, buddy. Of course. Like, as long as they're respectful yeah, and not trying yeah, to be yeah. like, you know. Pushing little kids out the way. Yeah, 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 you know. Everybody gets their fun. Everybody has a good time. Nobody get hurt, you know. Like, I don't want to be the one house on the street that doesn't have candy yeah. just in case the old tradition of tricks or treats comes back. Like, Because yeah. I know when I was a kid, we used to. We called it something, Michael, I'm going to steal your word for you and Caleb. It starts with a D. <laughs> Debauchery. Yes. Yeah. 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 It was, you know, lighthearted oh, stuff. Yeah. Nothing, nothing major. We weren't starting fires and stuff, but like, yeah, you might wake up the next morning with like pudding, pudding all <laughs> over, all over everything you own or, uh, uh, you know, eggs thrown at your door or, you know, just real simple, yeah. you know, just real pains in the asses in the neighborhood, you, you know, know. Real Dennis the Menace tomfoolery, I like to put it. (laughs) So all that being said, enough of our high horse. Uh, Keep the spirit of Halloween alive. Make sure your your neighborhood is uh, Halloweenable. Yeah, take your kids trick-or-treating, like, door-to-door. Like, yeah, don't drive them. Make that little fucker walk. Exactly, exactly. They're going to get all hyped up on sugar anyway. You might as well make them tired. Yeah. And also, fuck trunk-or-treat. Fuck going to a parking lot and taking all your stupid little kids around to, like, just the, like, all you got to do is just walk through a parking lot? Nah, nah, that's not how this shit is supposed to work. You got to go door to door asking for donations like a goddamned American. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Hat in hand. That's right. Hey, uh, sure do wish, hope you have some candy, sir. Yeah. Be like, what you got cooking in there, too? What's up? The eggs and bacon. <laughs> you can slap me a plate real quick in this little to-go box, baby. Hey, uh, I smell some crab legs. Why don't you just drop that right here in my little, uh pumpkin bucket here exactly. if y'all got some melted butter I will take that to go <laughs> oh man anyway million dollar question buddy what you been watching my friend that's what everybody tunes in for oh man man uh, so oh last night being Halloween I watched what you watch I watched one of the best wrestling 
pay-per-views ever. Go ahead and check that bingo box. On That's right. Michael talks about wrestling. Halloween Havoc 1995. See, I feel like I should know exactly what this is. This is the one that was in the swamp? No, 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 no. That was a different one. This one features Hulk Hogan versus the Giant in a monster truck sumo battle. Oh, I do remember that. Yes, yes. Now, I know that you love all the words in that sentence. I know that you love Giant, Hulk Hogan, Sumo, Monster Truck, Battle. Wrestling. What more do I need to put? It is single-handedly, probably, other than Starcade 85, which features the infamous Miss Atlanta Lively versus the Rock and Roll Express match, probably the second best pay-per-view ever made. I'll have to go back and watch this. Oh, it's got Macho Man, it's got Jimmy Hart, it's got Betrayal, it's got the Dungeon of Doom, it's got the Birth of the Yeti. The Yeti. The Yeti. (laughs) But it's really a mummy, so why they call it a Yeti, I don't know, but... Yeah. That's big stuff, man. Oh, it's great. It's great. And it's, it's, you know, it's like two and a half hours, but it's the height of WCW when they were doing, you know, firing on all cylinders and just doing kind of everything right. And it's just enough of a carny shit show that it's consistently entertaining. Yeah. No, it sounds like it's right up my alley. I've, I've heard legends of this before. I know you and uh, I assume you watched it with Glenn. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Glenn. We love you, buddy. We do too. Um, but yeah, no, I'm sure you guys have talked about it before. And that's why I was like, I know I feel like I should know this, but yeah. yeah. If you get a chance to research it, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Like, I'll give it... Uh, 1,500 horsepower. That's awesome. I was just thinking, I was like, I wonder how high he's going to go this time. And he hit it. Quadruple digits. (laughs) Free numerologists out there. Uh, That's awesome, man. What else, man? What's else been been happening? Oh. uh, You can talk more about, I mean, talk about that match if you want. Or what was your favorite match on that one? The giant Hulk Hogan sumo battle? Yeah, just because it's just monster car. Yeah, yeah, just because it's it's so ridiculous and it's. <laughs> it is ridiculous. I, just, I laughed just saying that just now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like, left out descriptive features and I dropped like six of them. I was like, Macho Man, Giant, Sumo Battle, Wrestling. Oh wait, Monster Monster Truck. truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorite. I mean, I'm a huge Macho Man fan, so seeing him versus Lex Luger was. Uh, was pretty good. Uh, him versus uh, oh, there was an instance during his match versus I want to say it was God, I forget who he was. Who some nobody, but uh, oh no, I'm sorry, it was versus the Zodiac, which is a guy that came out in all zebra stripes and had his hair in a mohawk, and he only responds yes or no, yes, yes, no, no. Uh, and he's painted all zebra stripe. Do yourself a favor. Look him up. The Zodiac. That's fighting Macho Man. Yes. Nice. Yeah. And uh, anyway. But, but but during their match, some fan tries to jump into the ring and go after uh, uh, Macho Man. And to their credit, Kevin Dunn, the director, and or not probably not Kevin Dunn, but the, the director and um, Macho Man immediately bail out of the ring. And the camera stays on them. Meanwhile, in the background, like in the like tertiary or, or the the uh, what am I looking for? Periphery. Periphery in the periphery. <laughs> we'll cut all that. No, no, no. That's it. <laughs> that, in the, that's not on the bingo card. Yet. That's something I do usually. 
So on the periphery, like in the corner of the TV, all you see is just security and the referee putting boots to this guy. <laughs> just buttholes. Just, don't worry, folks. Security's going to get him all the help he needs. Yeah. In the name of love. No. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. So, it's worth it. Uh, it was fun. Did you ever see the interview of Macho Man on Arsenio Hall? Probably. When Arsenio was like, do, do you cry at all? And he's like, yeah, I'm not to do a shitty impression, but here we go. He's like, yeah, brother, of course it takes a Macho Man to cry. And like, he, he explains <laughs> how even Macho Man cry. It was fucking beautiful. He is so great. The beautiful thing I mean, about... not as a human being, necessarily, but... Yeah, okay, but as a wrestler, he's as great. As a character of the Macho yes, Man, yes, a phenomenal yes. character. Yeah, One yeah, of the yeah. best of all time. But he was great because you could literally just give him a key bump of coke and hand him a microphone and a camera and he would spin gold. Just yeah. fueled by ego and cocaine and it fucking worked marvelously. Yeah, yeah. his cadence was that enough where even if he stumbled, it was like he could just pick it right back up and then, oh yeah. And right, uh, right. It was just natural. So. Oh, he had it. It was it was great. He's he's probably on, on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. He's, he's one of the faces for me. Yeah. Cool. What else have been watching, man? Uh, let's see. What else have I been watching? Uh, I got, I got one we can talk about a little bit. Uh, let's see. Oh, Galaxy Quest. Oh. Watched Galaxy Quest recently. Sigourney Weaver and... Tim Allen Allen and... um, The great Alan Rickman. And Alan Rickman and Tony Shalhoub and Justin Long and... Justin Long is in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. He plays the, the super nerd, the, the super fan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who else is in that? Um, well, that's plenty. Rain Wilson is in it. Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah he plays one of the aliens. Oh, yeah. yeah, fantastic movie. Especially if you're any type of sci-fi fan it, it, of Star Trek, Star Wars, whatever. It's it's such a great... I hate to say parody because it's not that. It really is It really is almost a tribute. I was about to say, if I'm going to interject here for just a minute, and I think I know where you're going with this, in the terms of... I watched that movie when I was when it came out. I was, I didn't appreciate it because I was old. I was I think I don't know exactly, but I felt like I was too old for it. I think it came out in ninety seven, ninety eight, something like that. Probably later than that. But either way, no, 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 not no, no, no way. Either way, but I I felt like like I was like oh it's like a family movie and I kind of whatever like I didn't really appreciate it Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. because I was like maybe I was too old for it to be like oh it's a kitty fun romp or whatever like that and. I was this guy. It was cool. It was entertaining, and then I saw it again as an adult. Probably it wasn't that recent, but like as an adult, probably my late twenties, early thirties, yeah. something like that. What a freaking amazing movie that is! And yeah, the reason is is imitation is the best form of flattery. Oh yeah, I think what you're getting at. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's like, you know, and so it in in its quest of being like, hey, we're gonna do kind of this meta thing of like we're making it's a, a Star Trek show, you know, whatever it is, and then it's taken so seriously that these aliens come and they're like, oh, well, we built our whole life around this show and whatever. Right. And so it's mocking it in this weird way. It actually ends up being a phenomenal sci-fi film. Like, oh, yeah. Really good, like, really high up there, actually, in terms of, like, it hits all the, the marks of a good sci-fi space adventure. I mean, it, it, in a way, like, it hits all of the all of the familiar cliches, but it doesn't shoot, it, it doesn't shoehorn them in, it, like, it actually earns those moments by by paying respect and 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 understanding how those those types of, of shows and movies were built 
So it's not like it's it's going for the cheap, like, well, now we got to have the commander take his shirt off. Like, there's really a reason why Tim Allen gets shirtless in the in, in the show. But, of course, we have to have that trope because that's what happens to Captain Kirk in every episode. Yeah. So, For those who, that are just lost right now, when we're talking about Galaxy Quest, it's ultimately this this old Star Trek-like show was retired. Called Galaxy Quest. Called Galaxy Quest. Uh, was on the air for a long time, and then they go off the air, so they go to some Comic-Con, and these two aliens get in line, and they're like, oh, ultimately abduct him to, to go fight this fight right. for him. Tim Allen is the captain, and Alan Rickman is is in Sulu full or makeup, whatever, yeah. or, yeah, he, he basically plays the Spock character. Yeah, the Spock character, yeah, yeah. Um, Sigourney Weaver's the Ahura, whatever, but it's, ultimately, they, they take him because they think that the show is real, these right. aliens, and so they go up into space to end up having an adventure. We probably should have given some of the context. Right, 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 right. It's a good movie, though. So. Right, right. Um, but no, it's, it's weird, though. Like I, I think you, you do say it, like, all those tropes still exist for a reason, and they check those boxes kind of, like, tongue-in-cheek a little bit. Oh, for but sure. But it fits. It's like, man, like like I said, if you if you adore something, something, well, you can't truly make fun of something in the proper way. And I don't even think they're making fun of it. I think it no, is a love no, letter. No. But they are in a, in a weird sense. But you can't truly even I mean, poke fun, I should you, say. Yeah, you, you can still call something out. You, yeah, you, you can still call something out and also enjoy the thing for what it is. I think Tropic Thunder is another good example of right. that. There's like, a reverence for it. Is why sure, it sure. They're, they're, they're making... It, it's a send-up to all of the same Hollywood cliche bullshit, but also it's a love letter to like every war movie ever made. Right. And... Of course, they hit all the same tropes, but they 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 know exactly where to step in order to get there, and um, it, it's not like they're they're not necessarily making a mockery of it in terms of like isn't this stupid and, and bullshit, but they're they are definitely poking holes yeah. at it and being like, here's the thing we've noticed, and it yeah. just needs to be addressed. Yeah, it's that movie. The premise came from um, Ben Stiller and Justin Thoreau. They were watching the, the documentary of uh, how Platoon was made. Mm-hmm. And they took like Johnny Depp and Charlie Sheen and all, all the, the the actors out to some camp in the right. middle of nowhere. And they tried to uh, like emulate real life war experiences. Right. And then like they're like, oh man, the horrors of war. Like you're not going to do this. It was just this whole scene right. about how in, full of shit. In, in three are. days of acting camp, you're going to simulate what it's like to be in, in the middle of, right, in the yeah. middle of a war where like. Yeah. So unless you're gonna shoot at me for three days straight, and I'm constantly paranoid and like yeah. trying to figure out like what's my place here? Why I could just quit? I could just blow my brains out right now, and it'd be all like, no, you're not gonna ever. Yeah. But no, it's it, Galaxy Quest is very much so in that same vein of like it's poking fun at it, but it uh it has a reference for it, man, and it appreciates where it came from. So yeah, yeah, highly recommend. That's no, a good pull, man. I I wish I would have known you were watching that, so I would have. Watched it again. Well, beautiful thing is, it's streaming right now, so yeah. you can go watch it. Yeah, well. Thanks to our sponsor, Hulu. Yeah, I, know I hope I just called that right, because I don't remember what streaming platform I used. That's our former sponsor, Hulu. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, you know what I did finish, though? Oh, what you been watching, bro? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I did finish Hellraiser. Thank you very much. Nice, nice. Yeah, our assessment of that film, without me watching the last... Like eh, halfway through, about the third act, let's just call it spot on. Yeah, it, I was I was correct in my assumption of what happens with the boyfriend. You were very right in the fact that Riley doesn't learn shit. Nope, it's just like oh cool. Yeah, the Cenobites. I I still can't 
I was delicious cinnabites. Delicious cinnabites. <laughs> it cracks me up. Yeah, in our editing process, which Michael mostly did, I went back and listened to some of it, and uh, yeah, the cinnabites bit. Just be ready for that to be an ongoing thing throughout there. May I offer you a delicious cinnabite? <laughs> in um, these trying times. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, it was exactly what we thought, though. Yeah. Um, I did watch. <coughs> I apologize. Go ahead. I did watch a movie that I had not seen for a very, very long time. And it was The, Night- tell. the Nightmare Before Christmas. Nice. I Again, I watched it a lot when it first came out because it was all the rave, especially oh. at, like every Halloween, every Christmas, fucking birthday parties even. It's like, Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I mean, the beautiful thing about that movie is you can literally watch it from October 31st until December 25th. And... It, it fits somewhere much, in there. so Pretty much. I do, in my opinion, think it is more of a Halloween movie than it is a Christmas movie. I would agree with that. But not by much. But not I, by much. I would agree with that, yeah. So, But it, there is some spirit of Christmas stuff in there in the sense of Jack Skellington. Or Skellington. How was it? Skellington? Skellington. So, yeah. Yes, yeah. I always say it wrong. Um, does try to capture the spirit of Christmas and make it better. But it's like, hey man, you got your own thing. You are the Pumpkin King. Right. So. Right, but it was a good. Movie. I forgot how musical it was. Like in my in my memory, like I remember there being songs, but I didn't realize it's the vast majority of that movie. Is oh yeah, all the, in song. the whole movie is. I want to say only like it's just shy of ninety minutes, yeah, and they have quick. they have a song every like five to seven minutes. Yeah. I mean, they they it's it's almost like a Disney movie in terms I of mean, like it is a Disney movie, but now it is. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. But no, it's I, I just forgot how musical it was. In my mind, like I still knew some of the songs and everything. Like the what is this? Yeah. I didn't realize also Danny Elfman I think wrote the lyrics for that too. Yes. And did the music. But the actor, I don't know, I should do some research. The actor who plays uh, the Pumpkin King, his fucking his breath cadence is ridiculous, man. Like there's not like the way he goes off rhythm to like change the it was you could tell it was written by someone who composes music because the, sure. the lyrics definitely match the music like a Tom and Jerry cartoon how the action will match the music as opposed oh, to yeah, 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 the yeah. music matching the action yes 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 which even like Mel Blanc back in the day said like oh what were your favorite and the animators of Bugs Bunny as well he was talking about it so like, what were your favorite um, Bugs Bunny cartoons to animate and they go oh well like what's Opera Doc or, or right, um, right. The, the Hair of Seville or Barbara Hare of Seville, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, because the music is there first, so we know exactly what beats we're going to hit, and then we just animate to that. So if it's high-pitched stuff, he's going to be doing something with his fingers, and there's certain giveaways that you just know. And yeah. I can tell when the lyrics came in, he it was synonymously written of like... Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he definitely had in, in mind of like, as he's writing the music, like, and I know how I'm going to hit this one right yeah. here. So, as somebody who fancies himself a little bit of, uh, you know... I would dare I say a musician slightly. Yeah, I had appreciation for it. But also, it's Danny Elfman. I yeah. mean, the guy's it, the 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 track record of, of his resume. You know, The Simpsons, Beetlejuice, anything with Tim Burton. Yeah, I mean, Batman, etc., etc., etc. You know, like it just goes on and on and on. He like, just did the Doctor Strange movie recently too. Which was, that's right. Knocked that out of the park. That was a dope soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, but no, it was a good movie. I've seen it in a very long time, but I, I had appreciation for it. And I, I really do like the the Tim. It is very Tim Burton esque. Oh yeah. Um, I saw recently that the director and the name fails me at the at the at the yeah, moment. People but think Tim Burton's the director that he's he, not. he's not he's not and and kind of the director has has come out and said that like 
hey man, I, I deserve a little bit of credit. And I, I would agree with that. You know, I, I think you need, you know, it, it's sort of a Bob Kane, Bill Finger kind of thing in terms yeah. of you got to give credit where credit's due. Like, that being said, I would say that Tim Burton, as far as visual director, had a lot of influence to that. Definitely, you could tell the character design and like the mood. And he also came up with the story. So. Sure, but but there is something to be said for the person who decides like every single shot set up oh, and how to like. like it's they're, a they're, massive undertaking. Yeah. It's stop yeah. animation. I'm, I'm sure you know that, but like, it's a massive what? undertaking. I thought it was documentary. I know. I know. I was going to go to Halloween Town. Yeah. <laughs> But no, it's, I mean, he also went on to kind of do uh, Coraline, which has its own mm-hmm. cool following, and everyone's like, oh, it's that Tim Burton movie, and he's like, god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably somewhere, I assume that last part. But, you know, I should, you know, I'm going to give him a shout out right now. You fill some blank space. I forget his name, and I should know it, but what are your thoughts on the movie? Uh, I mean, I, again, I, I, I really like the, the, the aesthetic of it. I, I think that it's sort of the... At the time, it was the the unsung anti-hero of, of Disney. It's it's everything that makes a Disney film great, but it um, it kind of turns it on its ear just a little bit. It's a little bit macabre, a little bit uh, whimsical. It it is whimsical, but but Disney films have whimsy. It's it's kind of macabre. It's a little bit more almost in the same sense of like Adam's Family is a family movie if you got a really dark sense of humor. Yeah, I agree with that. It is uh, Henry Selleck. Henry Selleck, yeah, that's it. I should it. have known that. I just saw it yesterday. That's right, that's right. I'm a big fan of his brother and his mustache. Tom Selleck, yeah. 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 I shouldn't have said that. I ruined the joke. I'm sorry. sorry. It's okay. I was, I was wanting to laugh with you. But yeah, I just figured I'd give him a shout out at least when we're sitting here talking about Tim Burton perpetuating the same crime we're talking about. So, yeah, Henry Selleck. Um, no, I enjoyed it though. It's been like, many years since I've seen it, and the animation still holds up. Great movie. Cool. So, um, other than that, though, I'm gonna be honest with you. I've been slipping in my duties, and uh-huh. I'm gonna hijack this podcast for just a minute. Uh oh. This is the section that we're gonna call the leftovers. Okay. This is shit that we've been wanting to talk to y'all about, but uh, we didn't have the platform. Oh wait, yeah, we do. So, I'm gonna hijack it a little bit here for a minute, and then I'm gonna give it back to Michael. Um, I'm gonna talk about. This wonderful city that resides in Pennsylvania. I think Ben Franklin spent some time there. Some of our founding forefathers and their fathers' fathers before them. So the house was built in 1864 by General Jim Custer. Custer. Yep. It's a stepbrother's <laughs> reference. We should do more of those. I'm ready? Uh, no. Um, Philadelphia. Man, the Philadelphia Eagles. i got to talk about it. That's what I've been watching. That's what the hell I've been doing. It is football season. I am not going to turn this into a sports podcast and give you all hot takes or anything like that. I'm just going to spill my love for those boys in green. Welcome to What You've Been Soaring with MD3. How You've Been Soaring. Soarin'? <laughs> okay, I can't see it, but I'm flapping right now, baby. He does have the wingspan out right now. <laughs> oh, man. No, uh, Philadelphia Eagles. I was going to say, caca. <laughs> give me one more. It's <laughs> a good question, that last one. Um, no, the Philadelphia Eagles are undefeated, so a lot of my Saturdays and Sundays have been watching Florida State do what they are doing, which I'm proud of those guys keep going in the right direction. Go Nose. But the, the Eagles are undefeated, man. <laughs> rarefied air. The city of Philadelphia has this going on right now. Their soccer team in the MLS, Major League Soccer, uh, is going to the finals. They just won the Eastern Conference, so magic. All right, right. boom. The Philadelphia Phillies, their baseball team, are officially 
in the World Series and they versus won the the Astros. the Astros. That's right. And they won Game One, and they Astros won Game Two, so they won back to Philly uh, tonight oh. as we speak, and um, it's probably going on right now. That's right. Which I don't give a shit about baseball. You're breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> I actually don't give a shit about baseball that much. I live in the South, and my rule is: if you're a Southerner, you're a Braves fan. Also, yep. rest in peace to our great grandmother, who was the Braves fan of Braves fans. Oh. Shout out Grandma Tucker. Yeah, Buzz, as, as I could call you. Buzz. So I do, I am a Braves fan, but I vicariously like all the Philadelphia teams because sure. I just want them to burn that city to the ground. <laughs> and it's going to be incredible. I want them to win all the championships oh, so that like, incredible. they literally have to be like, we have nothing left. From the ashes, we will build we'll a build city of the future. <laughs> Neo-Delphia. Neo-Delphia. <laughs> it will be cyber, and we shall all speak like this. <laughs> um, we're, bring, we're bringing in Joel Schumacher for designs. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to look just like Batman and Robin. <laughs> so we pretty much decided on this one. We're not talking about movies. We might as well just go off the fucking <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah, the Schumacher. Yeah, it would look like Batman forever. <laughs> Anyways, uh, every like, gang was required to wear neon from neon, now on. Neon, yes. <laughs> um. But no, so there's some magic going on in that city, man. And I also want the Phillies to win because the lovely Angie, my lovely uh, counterpart, my better half, she um, bought me tickets to go to the city of Philadelphia to go watch the Eagles on this upcoming week. So, Oh, you think you can set foot on the lamb? On, on the link? On the link? Not on the lamb. On the link? Same place as champions? Yeah, the same field with champions play. It's an always sunny reference for you. Um... So yeah, I, I kind of hope the baseball game, uh, the series, goes to seven games because then the parade will be the weekend that I'm there. Oh, nice. And I just want to just be a part of that. <laughs> so, I want them to win and I want it to go to seven games just for my own selfishness because it's a long flight. And I don't have bread like that. It's a Christmas gift, a really early one. But I appreciate the fact that she's taking time to make sure I'm a part of the magic that is the undefeated thus far. And I'm probably jinxing it. By the time this comes out, but I'm not at the same time as we're gonna keep soaring. So <laughs> I'm just looking forward to the to the call where it's like, Michael, I messed up. I relapsed. I'm drunk. I'm drunk on the love of this city. Love the love of this city. They love their teams here. I'm having a great time. I punched a cop horse in the face. <laughs> <laughs> there is actually, and I could talk about this briefly because it is a what you've been watching. Um, there's a documentary. It's on Hulu. It's called. Uh, Maybe next year, but they cross out the next, and it's called Maybe This Year. Hmm. And it follows, uh, I think it's four diehard Philadelphia residents who are fans. And it follows them. It's like three or four. I can't remember. And I'm follows, sure they're all related somehow. Probably. Because it's Philadelphia. I don't know. <laughs> but no, and it follows them their Super Bowl year. And it just talks about why the Eagles are so important. And they're just like, look, man. Ultimately, I'm going to sum it up. This isn't in the movie. But it's like, I work hard. I bust my ass all week. I, I go to work, the boss busts my ass, I come home, my kids bust my ass, right. my fat, ugly wife <laughs> busts my ass. Because she's from Philly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then it's like, all I want is the birds to play well. <laughs> you don't have to win, but if you don't play hard, you're getting booed. And they boo their fans, they're like, we demand that you at least play hard. We we bust our ass, you better be out there busting right. your fucking That's ass. That's right. And so I respect that a lot, but it's actually... Again, again, just my own bias. It was a magical season, the 2017 season. Go Birds, Super Bowl 52 in the books. Philly special will be tattooed on me one day. I'm that guy. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's actually a really good documentary. And again, I am biased towards it because it does relive all some of my favorite moments. Right. But it's interesting to see they actually do a good job of capturing like the feel of what makes why the fans are the way they are in Philly. And so, if you get a chance, check it out. Um, in our in this run that the Eagles are doing right now. So I wanted to hijack the podcast a little bit because no, you're good. It's, it's never happened before, and this is what I've been watching. Listen, I wish the Eagles win all the championships this year, except for when the Flyers face the Penguins, in which case, go Penguins. So that's very gross, what you just did. <laughs> I say this all the time. Everything cool that was just happening just negated. You just fucked it up. <laughs> no, but I uh, don't get it twisted, though. It's Knowles first, then Eagles, but... Just because I'm from Tallahassee. Of course. But, yeah, don't get it twisted. So, Saturdays are spent one way, and I'm proud of those Seminoles. It is Miami hate week, so got to throw that in there as well. Fuck the you. Fuck, yep. It is not all about you. And, uh, yep. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. I've been consumed with a lot of been actually watching <laughs> sports talk radio and good. shit. Good, 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 good. like, the Eagles are on fire. I'm like, yes, more, more, more. <laughs> so won't give Just you- lather myself yeah. in lotion as I listen to them. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. So I don't. I don't ask for much. Just for the boys to go out there and play well. So I've been kind of engrossed in it. So yeah, that's what kind of why I'm rooting for the Phillies, anyways. So uh, on that note, do you want to take a break and talk to our sponsors? Of course. Uh, let's hear from our sponsors, Philly Cheesesteaks. I love it. We'll be right back. <laughs> and thank you for our sponsors, Philadelphia Cheesesteaks. Send in your. Location for the best cheesesteak in town and watch the chaos ensue in the comments. <laughs> Good one. Uh, okay, yeah, so um, other than that, lots of football. Check that box. Won't talk about it anymore for now. Oh, Big Mouth. Big Mouth. Big Mouth. My, in my quest of always watching cartoons and more cartoons, they did drop a new season of Big Mouth. Awesome. Uh, yeah, man, I am a pretty big fan of that show. Um, Good. I, I enjoy this season. I, enjoy this I, season I have not seen the latest season. The The last season I saw was sort of the fourth wall breaking one where Nick finds out that he's a cartoon and yeah, et cetera, et cetera, the, et cetera. That was the most, besides this one, the most recent mm-hmm. season, mm-hmm. yes, uh, season five. So No, I, I've enjoyed it, man. I'm, I actually really am a big fan of that show. Uh, I am too. It's, it's, it's a weird, in a weird way, it tackles a lot of the... Um, a lot of the trauma and emotion of, of puberty in, in a really honest and thoughtful way. It's, it's a, it's a little vulgar, but it's intentionally so to, to sort of like put everything on front street. It's, I mean, when I was that age, it's like you were consumed by some of this shit and it's like, and it's like middle school is a terrible time. I don't care who you are, how great you have it. Like you could be living in a mansion and, Beverly Hills and everything, and you just you hate yourself and everyone around you because you don't know how to act, and it's it's terrible. And they they did a good job of conveying that. And I, some people give it a lot of shit because it's like they do like oh they push a woke agenda, and it's like a lot of this stuff is that what these kids are dealing with nowadays. Like this is if you go to a middle school nowadays, you're gonna hear kids talk about how they're trans, and it's, well, whether and you like it or not, the, the trends are rising, and so and they're, they're quite, just addressing what's going on. Yeah, quite, quite frankly, a lot of the writers at this point come from the, you know, they're, they're millennials, or, or like late... Everything about your dad makes me sad. Sorry, I was trying to pull up the seasons. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Nope, I'll just, I'll just, just cut keep it. Going. Uh, 
so it, the, the thing is, a lot of the the, the writers uh, on the show are Gen Zers and and you know late school millennials. So they grew up dealing with their own sexuality and and am I trans? Am I gay? Am I this? Am I that? Am I where exactly in the niche do I fit because there's all these new options and so of course you're gonna have that perspective on it because it's coming from people who experience that and and you you can't write a show like that based on what you think happened you can only write it from the things that you know and and I think that's where that show is brilliant is that a lot of the stories that are told, like I've seen some behind the scenes things and, and documentaries and stuff about, um, you know, the, the, the very first episode where Jesse gets her period on the class trip to the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. That literally was something that happened to one of the head writers and she sort of brought it up in, in the midst of discussion to be like, you know, as they were trying to formulate the show and, and, and sort of understand where... The, the, the writing style would come from and immediately everybody was like well that's 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 an episode that's that's just what we do that's 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 the thing that we do is we all be really honest with each other and we just write those stories yeah about what a depraved perv you know Andrew is and I, how Nick was like I always had this false sense of self-confidence and stuff like that right I, I love the show I'm a big fan I actually watched it all in one sitting which for all my BoJack fans out there, I will make a promise to you now. New Year's resolution: I will uh, finish BoJack Horseman, and we can have, do a deep dive. Hold him, hold him to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be around a year of doing the podcast, and I'll, I'll wrap up BoJack by then. Sweet. So I only got like six episodes to watch. I just, yeah. but anyways, the, the last six are admittedly the, the toughest the, to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for but, sure. Um, but no, I, I, the only reason I brought BoJack up is because I, I binge watch all of this in like, I think two nights. I think mm-hmm. I fell asleep during like episode eight of 10 or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So I just got back up and watched eight, nine, 10. I was like, oh, well, cool. So no, it was really enjoyable though. They, um, so they, how, they kind of ebb and flow a little bit, but on the whole, I, I definitely like to see I, I, I was going to ask like compared to, cause I wasn't a fan of the very last season that I saw season five, I think. Um, like how, how does this stack in terms of the other seasons? Cause admittedly, I think season one, they kind of struggled to find their, their, their footing a little bit. There was a lot of, there was a lot more hits than there were misses, but I think season two was really where they hit it. And then three was kind of a, a little bit, you know, just, just my personal no, I, perspective. I, I don't think you're too far off. Season one was ultimately introduced the hormone monsters mm-hmm. is what it was. Um, season two was when they introduced Gina and the the Shane Wizard. Right. Season three was this is kind of where they they changed the formula a little bit because one was very much so they had like all right this is our monster this is what we're gonna do and they focus on the hormone monster. Two was the Shane Wizard and everything like that. Three was um, started off with brilliantly with my furry Valentine the the double episode that they did. The musical. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Speaking of which, got to give a shout out to the songs that are in Big Mouth. They they knock it out of the park with the songs, man. They, they really do. In my personal opinion, I'm a big fan. But um, three was a little bit all over the map. It had, um, they always kind of do standalone episodes. Uh, they had two of them in this one. They had um, the Duke Ellington episode. Oh, the, his origin story where... I can tell you the story of how yeah, I lost, how lost my virginity. virginity. Yeah. Um, that one was, they also had Disclosure of the Musical, that was season three, but they didn't have Oh, like a, yeah. That was the one where the cell phone was the first half of it, was like, that was the big thing. Oh, Nick being addicted Selfie, to a cell phone, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Um, and then season four was, I believe, when they go to summer camp. And that was the anxiety. Which was fun, yeah. Tito anxiety mosquito. Right. Um, and uh, uh, Andrew had the turd that was turd, that was uh, wouldn't come out. He was constipated or whatever. Yeah, that one... Um, I enjoyed that one a lot. They, um, they always do a good job of having one kind of standalone like mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, that one, I don't know. And I'll give it to my actual, I think what you're asking me to do is tell you what my favorites are. I'm just kind of giving you a recap of which yeah, one yeah, 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 yeah. first. Um, that one had a really good episode that I got to give a lot of credit for. I thought was kind of brave. Um, and then season five. Yeah. I, I don't think they spent a lot of time at camp in that one. They're only there for like three episodes, which, eh. yeah. And then five was the most recent one that was kind of the one with the love bugs, where love and hate was right. a, was a thin line or whatever. Um, yeah, and that dealt with a lot of the jealousies and uh, interpersonal relationships. Of yeah, I dated them, and now they're dating someone else, and yeah. now unrequited love, and now I hate them. And pretty yeah. much, yeah, and it's a fine line between love and hate. Right. And season, and then they did the human resources. Human Resources show, which was a spinoff about where all the monsters and stuff live, uh, where there'll be puberty, depression, anxiety, kitty, depression, and, kitty, all of yeah. them. Uh, and then the newest season really focuses on the parents, oh. and it kind of shows how fucked up they are too. And we haven't really dove into how the parents. I mean, like obviously Jesse's parents broke up and right. got a divorce, but it all kind of catches up with everyone. All the other ancillary, or not all the other main characters, not ancillary, but uh, so like. Nick's father has a kind of an identity crisis and something he's been pushing aside for many years and mm. it kind of comes to the forefront. Andrew, God bless him, has even more struggles at home between his <laughs> asshole dad and his mom who's way more patient than anyone has right to be. Um, so yeah, it kind of shows the flaws of like the parents and like even as we grow, we just kind of adapt to these things and if we don't handle them in a, in a healthy way, then like guess what? They're still going to be there when you're 30, 40, 50, you know, right, on up. Right, 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 right. So it kind of... It kind of flips it a little bit, and for just a moment, the kids seem to their life seems a lot simpler in the moment when you realize, like, oh man, like the parents are just as fucking out of whack. But they well, don't they don't steal the spotlight though. It's still very much so the kids show, but um, it is not a kids show. But you know, yeah, 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 yeah. But it focuses yeah, yeah. on the kids, like which I think is good. I, I'm gonna use a little bit of an analogy or kind of a parallel. Um, a lot of people in South Park love Randy Marsh. Yeah, Randy Marsh is one of the best characters. Where I, in my opinion, where South Park has started to fall off recently, is it's lost the focus on how it affects the kids. It's right. it's the world. It's right. Stan being ridiculous and how embarrassing he is through Stan's eyes, which I love. Randy Marsh, sure, he's, sure, he's sure, sure, that dude. But and they they don't they don't let this get away from how it affects the kids, in my opinion. But you do see the flaws and the vulnerabilities of the parents in this one. So, so they're, it, they're they're the monster in this one, as it were. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. But but it, it gets away from the kids who, I mean, in, in my mind, are the main focus of the show because yeah. it we're watching them experience all the familiar shit that we all went through during that time in our lives and being like, oh, that's really relatable. Yeah, but also, really yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I felt just kind of like that a little bit, you know? Yeah. And they do a good job of, like, I know that they had um, Missy, who is, um, her character is... Uh, mixed. She has a white mother and a, a black father, mm-hmm. and is Jewish. And they had uh, Jesse Klein uh, voicing her, and she's a white woman. And so, no, no, you're, you're talking about um... oh, no, Missy, yeah. That's Jesse. No, no, no. Jesse Klein was voicing Missy. And after checking with the judges, Michael was indeed correct. 
It is Jenny Slate who I was thinking of, which rarely happens. Usually I'm the, the one of correctitude. Or I just wildly speculate, pretend that I know. <laughs> but no, uh, Jenny Slate was uh, voicing Missy for Missy, a while. Right. And they kind of corrected it, and um, it was, I'm going to mispronounce her name, uh, A.O. Edaberry, I think her name is now? Mm, like, I think so, yeah. And I guess Jenny Slate thought, that, like, oh, well, because I'm Jewish, I thought that I kind of could do that voice and mix character because of the Jewish side of the character. And they kind of were just like, eh, we get it right eventually. So they are cognizant of things like that. Well, but but to her to her credit, they they started pushing the the ethnicity of the character a little bit more, like in terms of Missy trying to embrace her blackness. And well, it's it's a hard transition to to say like, as a Jewish woman, it's hard for me to now start portraying someone who is going through the black experience. Well, I think what happened was is like. The, the person who voiced Cleveland. Uh, right. They, like a lot of the characters, like uh, Carl in The Simpsons is not going to be voiced anymore by a white dude, uh, Cleveland. Right. So that was going on, and so they kind of wrote around it. But they did it very quickly. They were like the first ones like, oh no, we're rectifying this right now. Right. And so right. They, they did it very quickly. And like, so good for them. You know, it's like trying to give opportunities to those who may not have it otherwise. So, and Jenny Slate seemed to be really cool about it. I was like, yeah, I fucked up. I thought I could do it. I didn't really see the big picture of it. Our fault. Like, cool. Yeah. You can't be mad at somebody for that. Like, no, 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 no. Fucked no, no. up, you I own mean, it. Cool, you move on. Yeah. Correct it, you move on. So. But, even, but even, like, I don't think she fucked up in terms of, like, I think that culture sort of outpaced the show, if that makes sense. A little bit. And so, like, hey, this was not my intention when I first started. I understand that the situation has changed now. Here's how we're going to rectify it. And that was the episode I thought that was really brilliant. Um, when they did in the episode in season four, mm-hmm. when they they go in and they they switch characters because Missy goes into a haunted house and then she realizes that there's all these pieces of her and there's like one she's a, such a huge dork in the show. Right. It's like she's like oh like love science and astrology and all this and like that is a real part of her and then like she doesn't really know her her black side very well and she's kind of mad at her father for that like how come you never showed me this side right, and right. like you know I'm washing my hair with products that. You, fucking doesn't fit me and all this stuff so like there's that side of her too and she kind of becomes like this complete human being and in that kind of finds herself and right. that's when they switch right the voice actress in which i thought was brilliant i thought it was really brave to just oh, yeah. do it like yeah. publicly like hey we fucked up she's a full person we're painting this picture even still let's go yeah so and what a, and what a great way to introduce the, the the new voice of the character rather than just like Next episode, they they yeah. they they bring in the new actress and nobody ever addresses it. Like I think that it was a really good way to just you know get, get in front of of any implications or, or 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 sort of misgivings about the character and just be like, here it is. Here's how we're gonna address it. Moving on. Yeah. No, it's spot on. Yeah. So, uh, but I would say to to get back to it or to try to do like a refresh, I would say that. Season one, it's hard. a lot of season one cartoons. They learn from like the Simpsons, like the Family Guy's mm-hmm. mistakes, where they hit the ground running. They know the world because they've had time to build it. Mm-hmm. Rick and Morty obviously is a pretty good example of that, of like the first episode, and but then like it, it hits the ground running pretty quickly. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and they still can adapt it, but I think season one's pretty high on my list. If I had to to give it an order, I would probably say mm, three has some of my favorite episodes, but. Like, the Florida episode is fucking hilarious. Oh, yeah, where they, they go to Florida. Y'all want to go blow up a boat? Yeah, that one's a great episode. <laughs> um, yeah, probably season one. Uh, 
One, three, two, five. Okay, so four. three was Florida. Two was. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, anyways, without me actually ranking it, I would say that season six is is higher on the list of a. It's it's a pretty good one. Okay. I think five and six they really found the rhythm because they're doing them back to back, and okay. five has one of my favorite episodes that they do in it. When it's uh, Puppet Mori, who is the hormone monster, and they do a Christmas anthology episode. Yes, yes, that yes. That shit yes. cracks me up. <laughs> but you're a sucker for puppets, so. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say season one hit the ground running pretty hard. Two was really good. Three, I thought, kind of missed the mark in the sense of they realized, like, oh, we're going to try something without the monsters, like having the big, and the cell phone just didn't fit it. Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. can tell halfway through they botched it. Four, I don't think they were at camp long enough. I thought they should have spent more time. Yeah, that like, should have been a whole summer thing. Of, of yeah, Andrew and Nick, mm-hmm. and then they just kind of dump that and go right back to it. Again, all of these seasons have good sure. episodes. Sure, I, I agree, yeah. Um, five, again, I, I thought was pretty good. The Love Bug, they had a consistent theme that kind of went back to it. Uh, the Anxiety Mosquito of Four was kind of prevalent throughout, so you can kind of tell, like, oh, we're going to introduce one of these characters, one of these monsters, or whatever they're dealing right. with. Right, every season at this point. Yeah, yeah, so four, and then five was the Love Bugs, and then six, it's kind of... They go back to kind of what they did in season three, where there's not necessarily like a new monster. There is a new hormone monster because Maury was pregnant, but it's just a new character. It's not a new threat. And right. The parents are the ones that are like, "Oh, y'all, y'all don't have your shit together too." So they cool. found the flaws of three that they're like, "Hey, we got it. We can't just do this every time." And they found a way around it in introducing a new threat cool. that's not in the form of like a anxiety mosquito or a gratitude or something like that. Right. So, right. 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 But, right. You can tell they're firing on all, on all cylinders, so. Cool. I can't wait so. to see it, man. I'm hyped up for it now. Yeah. Yeah, so. Definitely. So that's what I've been watching, though, man. Cool. A little bit, a little bit of Big Mouth. Sweet. Um, we still got some time to kill. We're going to revisit this leftover segment. <laughs> not, And I'm not going to bring up the Eagles this time, but I know you, on Halloween, watched two things, and I we teased it last time where I was joking him with him about, oh, if only you had a platform <laughs> to run your mouth about nonsensical movies that people haven't even thought about in quite some time. Right. So without any further ado, the floor is yours, my friend. Okay, so during uh, Halloween, I watched back-to-back, just because it came up in my feed, I watched The Faculty. Okay. So the 1998 Robert Rodriguez joint. The Usher vehicle. Usher, the Usher vehicle starring Elijah Wood and Josh Hartnett and... Usher Raymond. Usher Raymond. <laughs> and, uh, oh, Clea Duvall and John Stewart and, God, uh, Robert Patrick. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. T-1000 is the, is the gym coach and he's... Fabulous. Anyway, um, so watch that and then followed up with John Carpenter's 1982, I believe, The Thing. Okay. We have talked about The Thing a lot. We have. We have. It it was just, it it was interesting for me to just see the juxtaposition of two very similar movies and how how they've changed for the generations. So essentially both movies are the exact same story, but the way that they, the directors and, and the, the, the generational differences with which they approach the story is so striking and so interesting to me. Um, so, you know, the faculty, it's, it, it, and the thing, they both play on, on issues of mistrust and and not understanding who 
is your friend and who is infected and who is against you. And this just general feeling of fear uh, being trapped in an, in an isolated location and not knowing where you fit in. Okay. I'm with you. I, I, I've only seen The Faculty once when it came out. Uh, uh-huh. I think it was on tape back in the day. Uh-huh. Uh, again, the Shuck brothers, uh, Josh Shuck was big on The Faculty, but he was also bought the, the Usher Raymond CD at the time. <laughs> it's 7 o'clock on the dot, I'm in my drop top, cruising the streets. That's all you can play, because yeah, now much. we're going to get sued. <laughs> Are you making money on my Usher? Uh, uh, no, but... um. Yeah, so I, I'd seen it a couple times, but I guess I never, again, was, without watching the thing, I never really saw the, the parallel. What yeah. do you what do you think that it takes from the thing that it wants to capitalize on? Cause it, or do you think it is just truly a love letter, like we were talking about with Galaxy Quest earlier? I, I, I think that's what it is. Is it's, it's, it's very much an homage to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I mean, they, they directly reference Invasion of the Body Snatchers in the movie, um, you know, Clea Duvall plays the the goth nerd sci-fi chick, and basically at some point during the movie, they all turn to her like, "Well, you seem to know what's going on." And she's like, "Well, based on the movie, if we kill the queen, that and, and you know, so she becomes the the scientific quote unquote expert." Um, yeah. So I, I think that really in 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 all formats of that movie it's it's focusing so much on the dissolute the yeah the dissolution of friendships it's building bonds between characters and seeing their interactions and then seeing the breakdown of that and all it takes is one seed being planted correct correct oh everything i think i know about you suddenly becomes false which if you think about it is a really powerful agent if i know somebody for you know me and you going to the same situation I've known you for 36 years now right. my whole life literally right and all of a sudden I I don't think you are who you are anymore that 36 years means nothing right exactly, that's, exactly. that's a fun exactly. premise to play exactly with. and especially like I, the, the faculty does this well because it, it, it's kind of like uh, invasion of the body snatchers meets the breakfast club <laughs> yeah so it's it's all of these misfit characters you've got the jock you've got the nerd you've got the 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 the, the, the yeah the the, 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 the it girl and the yeah. the whatever you know the 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 outcast burnout whatever right and so in the beginning of the movie we we see them all in their own situations where Elijah Wood is getting bullied and is getting his pants pulled down in public and being tortured in, in school and beaten up and then Cleo Duvall is is constantly being called the goth slut and You've got the the athlete that wants to be known for more than just his athleticism, and I want to make it on my own merits. And uh, Josh Hartnett is the the burnout who got left behind a year and is dealing drugs, and you know all the all the high school tropes. And then to see them come together when they initially realize what's happening, uh, basically it's it's an alien invasion of their school, and they see it as it's spreading and they realize that if they don't stop it now, then it's going to spread to the entire world with within a matter of weeks and they'll never be able to outrun it, basically. So yeah. 
forgotten hero, you know, lost heroes. Unsung heroes. Yeah, unsung heroes where now all of a sudden the burden of responsibility falls on their shoulders. But so they all come together and and are unified by this knowledge of the alien invasion and then slowly their ranks are infiltrated and there's betrayals and and people, you know, turning on each other and you see the disillusion of who to trust. Same thing with the thing, you know, it's it's scientists on an isolated Antarctic research center who all of a sudden are invaded by an alien that can replicate and, and assimilate its victims. And now who do we trust? Who We've all lived together for nine months and now at a moment's turn, it means nothing. It means nothing. Yeah. Right, right. I will say, I know that Robert Rodriguez, um, he's the director of the faculty mm-hmm. and he also did like El Mariachi, Once Upon a Time from Mexico, Dust Dawn. Dust Dawn, all that stuff. Good friends with Quentin Tarantino, who very much so, like Tarantino, is an avid moviegoer and mm-hmm. film buff himself. Mm-hmm. He's just like, loves the art of film, loves everything about it. And so, when you were talking about it being like, like we were with Galaxy Quest earlier, it's not surprising that he, because he's a very genre guy himself oh, as yeah. well, um, that he found something and is just like, hey, I'm going to write a love letter to the thing. There's my take on it, you know? And he's, he does things so well. Like one of his big things he does is he comes in under budget and like way early. And so oh, yeah. studio's like, no, 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 go spend more money. He's like, no, no, I don't need to. The, the money's spent. We're yeah. good. Like, like I don't need to spend any yeah. more. Like we're good. The, the movie's done. It's like one taking shit. And so he's kind of this like just brilliant. But I think it is because he has studied this stuff so much that he's able to do it that he knows exactly of like, well, I remember this trope work, so let's not veer too far from that, but I am slightly going to put my spin on it or my flavor on it. But, like, he knows the building blocks and how to assemble them so he can work quickly. And so he is probably, like you, somebody who's seen the thing 40,000 times. <laughs> and it's just like, hey, I know how to execute this because I know exactly what makes it work for well, me. From, from a technical... with, like, Spy Kids. He's like, put some kids, like, kids in a movie. I want to do a kid superhero movie. Right, like, right. I, I, I love comic books. I've done it my whole life. I'm not going to stray with what works from this. Cool, let's do it. He 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 works visually because he he he's a great emulator. Like he's seen the shots that work, so he doesn't have to worry about taking time to set up the shot or figure out where the camera angle is going to be. He already knows it going yeah. into it. You know, it, it's like no, no, we're going to set the camera here. It's going to move this way, and we got it because I've seen this shot a thousand times before, and it works. Yep. You know, he's, he's, he's really genius in that way. He, he is a director's director. Under The first ever underrated director of the week is what we're saying? Uh, I'm going to give it to Robert Rodriguez. There it is. There it uh, is. I'm going to rate it uh, five kids, all with our names. Oh, yeah. He does have five children. Rocket racer, raccoon, I don't know. Racist. No, yeah. no. Probably not that. Yeah. No, he's brilliant, though, man. It The idea that he did, like... Even the story, he, he made a film, an independent film. He borrowed a camera from somebody and like $5,000. Mm-hmm. Like that was the budget. And he shot this movie, El Mariachi, which if you've seen Desperado, you've seen El Mariachi, you just don't know it. Right. But the concept behind it in Robert Rodriguez's film is that um, he, it's the story of Desperado. He's a musician. He gets caught up with some drug dealers and stuff goes wrong and he fights his way to go yeah. save this girl, whatever. Um, but he shot that on, like I said, like a weekend on borrowed, on a, on a borrowed film equipment. It's like 5,000 bucks. And like the rumor of that movie has grown so much that like he only did it all in one take. Right. right, It truly is a miracle movie that he he only had time to do one take and was like, no, 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 that's good enough. 
Right. And so with that, he then did the movie Desperado. Right. Where they're like, well, what are you going to do? And he redid El Mariachi with a bigger budget. Yeah. And Brought in Antonio Banderas and, and Selma Hayek. And yeah. It's ultimately, it's a game of telephone. And it, and ultimately, Once Upon a Time in Mexico is the same story Which as is Desperado. an even bigger budget, but now we're bringing in Johnny Depp and uh, Willem Dafoe and, and all these like huge contract players. And the point of it is, is like these... The movie was what it was, and then because El Mariachi was shot the way it was, it evolves into Desperado, which is the same tale. It's the same story of this guitarist going to go save a girl, but now there's rockets coming out of guitars, right, and right. there's two other friends that have machine guns in the guitar right, cases, right, right. and the dude, he's got, Antonio Barris has a guitar case filled with guns, and he can't be killed, and he's the biggest, as he says, the biggest Mexican anyone's ever seen, and it's the legend of it. And then Once Upon a Time in Mexico is the same thing, but it's like now there's political intrigue involved and they save the country of Mexico right. in the process. Right. I mean, it's it's literally the... I, I've always said that that trilogy is the growth of a legend. Like El Mariachi is, what, it is what actually happened. And then uh, Desperado is someone telling the story that he heard secondhand from his cousin one night at a campfire... And then El Mariachi is just like the literal Hollywood interpretation right. of what actually happened. That's exactly what yeah. it is, man. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's perfectly said. Yeah. yeah. So get if you get a chance to watch those movies back to back to back, I highly recommend it yeah. because just seeing the evolution, not only of a story, but the evolution of a filmmaker who's just given bigger budgets and more explosions and like how he works it. And like, it's all the same story. I was watching my friend Yaz. I've mentioned on here before. We he transitioned over to being a Johnny Depp fan with me. So we watched myself, Rob, Bob, another friend of mine, and Yaz watched Once Upon a Time in Mexico a lot. Mm -hmm. And we also listened to the um, um, behind the scenes features and the commentary because that's what I did when mm -hmm. I had more time and was you know could dedicate stuff like this. Um, we were listening to it, and the studio was literally telling Robert Rodriguez like. The quality of the special effects is not good enough, and he's like, "Go spend more money." He's like, "No, like here's, <laughs> right. here's money back. You gave me the budget. I came in well under budget. The right. movie's fine. It's exactly how I want it. Like you're asking me to go spend right. more for what? What do you want me to do with this? Yeah. Exactly. There like, was never a bullet fired. It's all digital. Like right. we've become so proficient at these. I do the music myself. Right. I edit it myself. I shoot the damn thing myself. I produced it myself. That's why it says chopped shot." Scored all by Robert Rodriguez. Like, like a Denny's order. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> Waffle House scattered, smothered, covered, and chunked by Robert Rodriguez. So, yeah, I know it's a little bit of a pivot from the faculty, but he's the same director. So Yeah, anyway, anyway. But yeah. No, he's, he's crazy talented. So, again, I that was a, a much longer tangent than I wanted it to be. No, but... But it, the fact that that exists within that, that thing is like, oh, well, I could tell the same story. Like I was saying, I know the bare bones of what actually happened. It's the right. thing. Here's the interpretation of the thing right. as told by. Yeah. So it really is within his wheelhouse that's, to do something like that's that. That's one of the things I wrote down is it's the it, it's the thing for the MTV generation. Just yeah. because it's it's the thing like comparatively the thing's a little bit more slow of a burn. It's it's a little bit more intrigue in terms of long lingering shots and and they 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 stay on characters like somebody will say something poignant and then they'll stay on them just long enough to where you start to think as the audience like, oh, maybe that dude's full of shit. Or, or like, wait, why, why is this shot holding on for so long? Whereas 
the faculty is a little bit more snappy, a little bit more uh, uh, music video style, but essentially it's the same thing. They just tell you the shots, or, or they, they tell you the emotion in in much more snappy shots. Right. Yeah. Not not as much left to uh, interpretation as it, it were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is a lot more show me rather than intrigue me. You know. Right. Um, um, but yeah. It, and again, there's there, there's certain elements that they really work out as far as like both of them have a similarity of we don't get a full backstory on all of the characters. Like we meet McCready and we sort of we get images and shots of him. You know, he's drinking whiskey in every shot and he's got his own shack far away from everybody else. And so we get that he's the loner. He's groundskeeper Willie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and then, you know, we get Elijah Wood who within the first, you know, scene is getting beat up and he's he's in the bathroom trying to like not cry and stuff and tissues up his nose to stop the bleeding and stuff. And like so we we automat but we don't need to know everything that happens, you know, like, well, his we meet McCready, and the reason he's a drinker is because his dad abused him, and he was X Y Z. Like, like here's the players go. Right, right, well, right. We got ninety minutes to get there. Right, 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 right. And so, the way that they sort of it's not necessarily backstory or like character origins, but it's a series of scenes and a series of events which tell us everything we need to know about the character. It's orientation. You get oriented to the characters, and what what got them there isn't as important as what's about to happen. Yes, yes, Just yes. like starting school, you're like, hey, this is what we're about? Cool, let's go. Right. Like, oh, I'm right. an English 101? Oh, cool, yeah. Let's right. figure out what English 101's about. So. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. And then they, they, they take the time to build these character interactions, and they make the audience feel sympathetic to like each individual character. You're, you're never really sure who the protagonist is, because it's constantly shifting between, well, now we're going to follow this person's storyline for a little bit. Now we're going to follow um, Josh Hartnett's story for a little bit. Now we're going to follow uh, uh, Wilford Brimley's story for a, for a little bit. You Wilford know? Brimley? Yeah. He's in it? Oh, yeah. In the in the thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said Josh Hartnett and then Wilford Brimley. I well, like, I'm trying to draw a comparison. I got, yes. I got you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, wait so, a second. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm definitely going back. But also, I want to watch that movie. Let's... Let's pitch a movie right now for Josh Hartnett and Wilford Brimley. I say Cocoon 3. I'm with it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, man, that's, that is good. I mean, it's a true ensemble cast is what it sounds like. And it's anytime you can get somebody that actually knows how to do coverage. Because mm-hmm. a, a lot of directors overdo it. Or they're just... Because the go-to, what, what I understand, again, just from me watching behind-the-scenes features and commentaries... Is the studio is like coverage. We need to know what the other characters are doing. Coverage, 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 right, coverage. Right, right, it's right. like sometimes you get bogged down in what's important, and you're like, wait, wait, wait. What's the main thread? What is? What are the real stakes? What is going on? Here? Yes, yes. And as long as you you can show like an, a, Avengers: Infinity War did this very well in the sense of there's a lot of characters. It's we're going to show you how they interact with Thanos. Right. Is what we're going to do. Right. And it's like Thanos is the guy. You don't. He's not. He is the antagonist, but he, it is a Thanos movie. But everything else is just like, there's a lot of ground to cover. It's how do they interact with what's going on? And it sounds like the faculty does a version but yes, of that. It, it's, it, it, but yes, it's about identifying what the actual threat is. And then how do each of these individual characters, and it is an ensemble cast. And so you, you it, it does work on building 
relationships with each one of them, how do they all react to this central thread of, here's the threat, here's how I see it, what do I want to gain out of this? And it, it varies from person to person, and it, and then of course you bring in the idea of infection and people not being who they really say they are, and et cetera, et cetera. So it's 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 this great ground building of of I love this person. Ooh, I hate this person. Ooh, but I love this person again because they're still not what I thought. Oh, but now they are what I thought they were. They're just you know sowing the seeds of mistrust even deeper by being nice in this moment. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good premise. Yeah. Sounds like it kind of writes itself. And not, I'm not taking that as a shot at anybody. I'm just saying no, no, no. But, but it sounds like it's rich and it can write itself. But again, it, it, there, there's a way to do it right, you yeah, know. That's and, true. and it I can think be executed poorly. Yeah, yeah. I think that both of those movies, for all their differences, really hit the mark in terms of both both directors understood the subject and they just they tackled it from very different angles, you know. Um, Never thought in a million years I'd be sitting here twenty some odd years later talking about the faculty on a podcast which <laughs> didn't exist back then. Where like, you're gonna have a chance to be on the radio and you're gonna talk about the faculty? Yeah, cool. So, that's cool. Uh, what would you rate it? What would you review it, man? Uh, I'm gonna give it an unknown number of infections. Ooh, I like that. Both of them. I like it. Well, the thing I know you think very highly. Of. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Is there how, how many infections are there? You figure it out. You figure it out. I need to watch that too. Here's the secret. I'm not even Marvelous Mike Dudley. <laughs> oh, crab people. Crab people got him. Uh, anything else you wanted to talk about with that movie or any other uh, thing you want to hammer home? Just as far as... No, I mean, I could talk about the soundtrack and like there's a difference. John Carpenter tends to focus on more ambiance and tone. Yeah, I'm sorry. John Carpenter, The Thing tends to focus more on on ambiance and like singular tones uh, it, you know he, yeah exactly exactly Ball. very right yeah. whereas the faculty tends to focus more on 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 pop music they're, they they do both renditions of forever young and pink floyd's the wall and you know it's all these cover bands playing all these really classic teenage angst movies or, or angst, angst songs, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but that being said, it is a great, iconic late '90s alternative soundtrack. So go with that. Uh, let's see. Iconic settings, you know, the thing is completely set in the snow, in in an isolated Antarctic research base. So you 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 learn every single location very quickly, whereas the. Th- the faculty tends to be more just generic high school setting, and it, which probably adds to its appeal in the sense of like everyone can. It's it's an easier window to access to. Sure, sure. I, I I just mean that in terms of I have no real sense of the layout of the school. Yeah, it, it's just sort of generic hallways and and filming it from one way on this scene and filming it from the other angle on on another scene. Whereas like. The thing I am very, very aware of where everything is located, just because he does a great job of situational awareness. Uh, and then there are no boobs in either. I just want to report that there are no boobs in either one. So if you're trying to sign yourself up for a sneak peek at some boobs, like you don't have the internet or something, <laughs> you're like my only access is through old I will VHS say, and DVDs. 
I will say in the faculty, you do get a little bit of side boob, but it's a long shot and it's in shadow. So, you know, it's not really boob. Disappointing. You know, it's yeah. it's like watching it through a, sca- a, a scrambled cable box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but very much so a joke of its time. Really. <laughs> cool, man. Well, yeah, uh, it sounds like I do see the parallels. I can see now why you wanted to speak of both of them yeah. at once as it... Yeah, that makes sense to me, though. So I think so. so. Now, next step is you just need to sit down and watch them so we can talk about them. Dude, we have talked about the thing <laughs> like eight times on this, but we've also talked about the ladies' man and other stuff like That's eight right. times on this. That's right. So we'll try to give it a rest for a little while. Um, I will tell you this Black Panther 2 is coming out. We're going to go right see that. Left. Yep. Uh, so in these upcoming episodes, we'll try to get it to you as quickly as it can. Uh, we will be spoiling it. We're in uh, uh, All white on, no- on November 11th. Yep. Well, I think it's, yeah, is it the 11th or 12th? Yep. Yeah, it's the 11th. November 11th. So, um, yeah, but we will be spoiling it, so just letting you know that if you want to tune into that one, we're not going to hold back. Yeah. Uh, just put on pause. I'm not, yeah. You can come back to it. You can come you, back you to go it. go watch the movie and then come back to it. It's good. So, yeah, maybe see some Black Adam in the process, maybe. Maybe. I might go see Halloween Kills. I, I met a random person at a movie theater. This guy I was sitting to while I was watching Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. By myself, shout out to <laughs> shout out to Jesse. Uh, if you ever do get around to listen, it's very nice to meet you, sir. We uh, exchange phone numbers, and he has a, a at the time he was with a lady. He's like, oh, she doesn't watch a lot of the movies I want to watch, so we became kind of friends and text movie related shit sometimes. Maybe we'll have him on the podcast, but right on. He invited me to go see Halloween Kills, and I was supposed to go this week, but we're whatever just it happens, ass, man. Yeah. So he was understanding. So might go catch that, maybe some Black Adam or something like that, and we Let's will do report it. back to you. Until then. As always, I would recommend that you go see a movie. And go talk about it with somebody that you love. Uh-uh!